Welcome to This American Ex-Wife, the podcast. Today I have a very special treat for you. It's a 10-minute selection from the first chapter of my book, This American Ex-Wife. It talks about the day my marriage fell apart and everything that was going on at the time. It's personal, it's political, and I think it reveals something about the very mundane and oppressive realities of this system we call marriage. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to the audiobook. One, the end. My marriage ended on a Monday. I walked into my house at 1 a.m., having just completed a 16-hour round research trip to Indiana in 24 hours. I was trying to write my first book while raising a four-year-old and a two-year-old with little child care. And the care I did have was cobbled together Rube Goldberg style from friends and a part-time daycare program at a church. I opened the back door and stepped over the usual pile of shoes and coats into the kitchen. I flipped on the light and saw a trash bag on the floor, spilling the detritus of my life. Gogurt wrappers, tissues, plastic plates, goldfish crackers, damp napkins, orange peels, dried chunks of cheese, and a broken toy from a fast food chain. This had happened so many times before. My husband emptied the trash and set the full bag on the bench in the breakfast nook. He'd take it out in the morning, he'd tell himself. Much like the myth of leaving the dishes to soak so he could wash them the next day. Perhaps the greatest trick a husband has ever played was convincing himself and his wife that he'd get to a chore the next day. I imagined the bag sitting there as he watched Star Trek, slowly wobbling on the edge of the bench until, with a wet slap, it hit the floor. Maybe he never heard it. He'd never really had to pay attention like that, to the left-behind crumbs, the sticky spots on the floor. But to me, an older daughter of eight children and now a mother, those small messes were the only things I saw. I had spent the 11 years of our marriage trying to get him to see that the dishwasher drain didn't clean itself and the socks didn't crawl out of the laundry and find their own mates and put themselves in his drawer. I wanted him to notice. I wanted him to see these small labors. Sometimes I calmly requested, please just take the trash outside. Other times I refused to clean it up. Sometimes I raged. Often, he would be irritated and say he forgot and put off the chore again. Once, in the first year of our marriage, I'd let the bag sit for an entire week before the smell of rotting garbage filled the kitchen. I was the first one who blinked in that game of chicken, hauling it out and then cleaning up the wet mark the bag had left on the wooden bench. The stain remains there. Once in a fight, my husband said that each chore was simply a chore and just that. He was criticizing my propensity to talk not just about the one trash bag on the floor, but all the trash bags that had ever fallen. 
These were minor things, he argued, just trash. Not such a big deal. It's easy to see chores as a one-off when they are not the bulk of your life, when your work and leisure aren't woven among the laundry, the dishes, the vacuuming, and the grocery shopping, when you aren't wondering whether there is enough dish soap or if you have enough potatoes for dinner. Standing there in the kitchen that early Monday morning, I was exhausted. Marriage, it seemed, was this, the eternal return of trash on my floor. Nietzsche's idea of eternal return argues that all events in time and space occur over and over and will continue to occur infinitely, as in marriage. People grow and change, yes, but not that much. In marriage, you have the same arguments over and over, as long as you both shall live. My husband was right. I could never just see a pile of trash. I saw all the past piles, and on that morning, I saw all the future piles, too. I saw an eternity of trash piles. This is my life. This will always be my life. The moment I'd said I do, I'd entered a time continuum where trash on the floor would always happen, and I would always be cleaning it up, and nothing I could do, no amount of couples therapy or list-making, could stop the inevitable tumble and wet splat. Looking at the mess, I began to do the mental math. What did I have the energy for? Wiping the floor or fighting? Add those factors together? Solve for trash on the floor. That morning, the solution was to pick it up. Later, I went to bed and dreamed I was drowning. I woke up three hours later at 5 a.m. to my two-year-old son patting my cheeks. My son vehemently believed 5 a.m. was the appropriate time to wake up. Most mornings, I would sit with him watching Curious George, drinking coffee, and reading the news on my phone while he snuggled into the corner of the couch with his little blankie rubbing against his cheeks. That morning, my body vibrated with exhaustion, but I didn't have time for coffee in Curious George. The house cleaner, a lovely woman from my church who'd offered to help me when she'd asked me how I was doing and I broke out into sobs, was coming that day, and I had to clean up all the mess that had accumulated while I was gone. The truth about accepting help is that it requires asking for it and coordinating it and paying for it emotionally and financially. Financially, I took on extra freelance work to pay for house cleaning because it wasn't in the budget. Emotionally, I dealt with my husband's heavy sighs when he'd walk into a professionally cleaned home and his angry silences that would fill the space between us until I'd explained I'd sold a little article to pay for it. It didn't come out of the shared checking account. Sometimes my husband would say, if you want help, just ask. And I would wave my arms around me like someone drowning. Just look, I'd say. This is all a cry for help. But truthfully, I didn't want help. I was grateful for it, sure. What I wanted was an equal partner. My husband came downstairs at 7.50 to pack his lunch and leave for work. There was trash all over the floor, I said. He rolled his eyes. 
The point is, there was a large pile of trash I had to wade through when I came home, I said. You are welcome for watching the kids, he said. There are moments where couples teeter on the edge of a fight. Just one look, one word, will push you over into the chasm of fury. I let us rest on that edge that morning. My world already felt so fragile. Donald Trump had been elected 10 months before. I had not voted for him, but my husband had. It was the end of August now, and we were in couples therapy every week, where we discussed his attitude toward my career. Bad, he didn't like it, and wanted me to just write mystery novels. And my attitude toward his attitude. Bad, I didn't like it, and I wanted him to just vacuum the rug for once, and never in my life had I written a mystery novel. And all of the things I had lost in the marriage. And I was losing things. The entire time we'd been together, I seemed to slough off items. Mugs, chambray shirts, small books, larger books. We'd been married for so long, 11 years at that point, that I had just assumed it was me. This was just who I was. He'd often refer to my absent-mindedness, joking that I'd mislay my head if it wasn't attached to my neck. But that spring, while cleaning out the house for a garage sale, in the musty basement crawl space, behind the worthless china my mean grandma had bequeathed me, and the boxes of wedding decorations, I'd found everything I had lost. I was in purge mode, occasionally shouting to my kids not to fight over who got to play with the little mop I'd bought to teach them about cleaning, but that they were using to sword fight. When I reached for a box and opened it up, inside was everything I thought I had lost. Mugs, shirts, and books. For the entirety of my marriage, my husband had been taking things of mine he didn't like and hiding them in this box in the basement. I hope you enjoyed that selection from my book, This American Ex-Wife. And if you did, I hope you'll go order the book and read it in full. You can also order the audiobook and listen to it in full. I narrated the whole thing myself. You can also go to your local library and ask your librarian to order it for you. Thank you so much for your support for the podcast this season and for my book. And may I leave you with something that my mom used to say to me. She said, Liz Lenz, your nails look terrible. Go get a pedicure. And remember, may the dresses we burn light the way. Thank you.